Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. This is Richard Gunther. On this episode of The Smart Home Show, we continue the tour of our respective smart homes as my co-host, Adam, runs through all of the products he's using or testing in his home. This is part two of our two-part series about our own smart home environments. In our last episode, I discussed all the connected products we use in my home. You may want to go back and catch episode 167 if you missed that. But for now, we hope you enjoy this second episode of our two-part tour through our own smart homes. Adam from ConnectSense. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. I'm joined by my co-host, Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. And today we're going to continue our discussion about how we're using smart home technology in our homes. But before we get to the smart home talk, I have a question for Richard to open the show. So Richard, uh, what was your first job out of school and how does that compare to jobs you had while you were in school? So I think everybody knows I'm a big geek, so I probably shouldn't surprise anyone that my first job out of school was as a COBOL programmer. I got a job with a company in D.C., and I had the job even before my last semester of school. So my last semester of school, I was lucky I passed because I did not take it seriously at all. It's a beautiful thing. (laughs) I was in a very similar position. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful and dangerous. My roommate and I were keeping a tally of how many classes, like individual classes, we skipped during the semester. I don't remember if I won or not, but regardless, it took a toll on my report card. Nonetheless, in school, I did a combination of things. So one of the things I did was I worked in the local computer lab because I was able to fix the computers and help people with their homework and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. But... And this is going to be probably amusing to most people. My favorite job that I had while I was in school was working in the dining commons as a dishwasher. <laughs> like I loved working the industrial washing dishwashing machine. I don't know why. And I preferred the dirty side for some reason. Okay. It's kind of like, I don't know, uh, approved food fight or something, you know? Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) Very good. Well, if you want to submit a question uh, for us to open the show, uh, just send that question on Twitter with the hashtag AskAdamAndRichard. So if you listen to our last episode, of course, Richard and I dove into what Richard uses in his daily life and the devices he has in his home today. 
originally we planned this as just one big episode, but uh, quickly, you know, turned into more than uh, we wanted to subject all of you to. So too many devices, just yes. too many devices. Clearly, we both have a problem. And uh, so we split it in two. <laughs> and now today we're going to dive into what I have in my house. And I'm going to kind of take the same similar format to, to what Richard did in, in how he kind of broke it down. So we'll start on the lighting and control side. I, I guess one of the things I'll put as a caveat, uh, a lot of my early smart home stuff came through trades and just people I knew in the industry. So I would swap uh, smart outlets at the time for various products. So some of the products <laughs> I have, including the first one on this list, came at least starter started, you know, through some swaps. So the first one I have, which is, you know, my my big recommendation for light switches is Lutron Cassetta light switches. Mm. And I think we we hit on this a little bit in the last show that, you know, anytime you have multiple bulbs or overheads, you know, my recommendation is typically to go with a light switch like these. Yeah, I agree with that completely. The other thing that I like about these is that if you buy their dimmers, the dimmers don't require a neutral wire. And many homes, in particular older homes, just don't have a neutral wire drawn into every switch box. Yep. Yeah, I think that's all I have is their dimmers. I think I have about eight of those. And the other thing I like is you were singing the praises of their Pico remotes. The other kind of sleek thing they do with these is that if you have a two-way or a three-way switch... You don't have to get into the complexity of wiring a two-way or three-way switch. You literally just cap off the other side of the switch, pair it with a Pico, and you're good to go. So that works really well in my case. Yeah, agreed. You need to know what you're doing there, though. I mean, you say you just cap it off, but you need to know which wires to cap off. And it's a little bit more complicated than that. But I love the approach that they have to this. And I think, frankly, they have the easiest solution to recreating a three-way with smart switches. Yes. Full warning, Richard and I are not licensed electricians. Do not take electrical advice from Adam and Richard. Well, I don't know. My advice was you need to know what you're doing. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Definitely read the instructions on those things. Um, so then, uh, various hue throughout the house. So I have hue color bulbs in, uh, both my kids' rooms. You know, I think I said, mentioned this on the last episode, but was very early into hue and it's sort of done different jobs throughout the time. And, and this is kind of just where they ended up at one time they were in my bedroom. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second, but now, yeah, both the kids' rooms, and the kids like this because it almost acts as a nightlight. At night, we can throw the bulbs at like 20%. They like doing the funky colors sometimes, things like that. So it's just kind of a fun pairing with a dot in the kids' rooms to give them some, you know, some basic smarts. Yeah, it's cool. We have some of the bigger, uh, I think they're BR30 Hue bulbs in the office. I used to, one of the early places for Hue was in my office in our old house and I love the color temperature feature for this. Um, mm -hmm. Often I'd be working late at night or something like that, and I'd put it on Energize or something like that. And it's pretty pretty remarkable how good that is at kind of keeping you alert and things like that. I don't really burn the midnight oil as much as I used to, but that was at least the thought process originally with putting those in my office. I like your use case for that. It is to fight your natural circadian rhythms instead of to aid them. 
Yeah. Yep. All about life hacks there. And then I have some LifeX bulbs in our bedroom. I had met the guys from LifeX a couple years ago at CES. Uh, real nice guys. I think, again, did a, did a trade with them and figured I had had some weird issues with my Hue bulbs in my bedroom um, where they were super not responsive with the Echo devices um, pretty often. And so, and I think you said something similar uh, that you've experienced that you usually go home kit on those. Yep. Yeah. So I put the LifeX stuff in our bedroom instead in the lamps and uh, it seems to be a little bit more reliable and work, you know, more consistently in there. So of course, couldn't go by without mentioning some of our own stuff. So shameless plug here. Uh, I do use Connexence <laughs> Smart Outlet 2 throughout my house. I would be a bad, uh, I would be a bad smart home, you know, product company guy if I didn't uh, eat your own dog food. Of course. Main uses for those, I've got a lamp in our bedroom, a lamp in our family room that get used pretty pretty regularly. And uh, also testing our in-wall product in my house right now. So, you know, more to come on that uh, later this fall. Currently testing that on a fan and a lamp on a single outlet. And then we also have a 20 amp version of that. And we're really focused on some of the power monitoring aspects. Um, so I have that currently on my washer and dryer just because I'm kind of watching the power on that and seeing what we can do there. But yeah, and, and definitely one of the things that I'm thinking about once we get this in production and uh, you know have a few more available, I really want to go all in and kind of put these throughout my house anywhere that it's useful just because I, you know, I want to fully live this and and see, you know, obviously there's applications anywhere where you want to switch power on stuff, but I also want to be more aware of how I'm using power, which is one of our kind of major use cases for this as well. I want to give your products a plug too. Ah, see what I did there? Because <laughs> what I don't think everybody realizes is that with the ConnectSense smart outlet, you get two separately controllable outlets plus USB charging all on one device. So plugging this in not only gives you smart control and energy monitoring, but acts as that additional USB plug that so many homes just lack around the house. Yeah, just an easy replacement for a, you know, a power brick, charge up a phone or an iPad or whatever else, you know, everything exactly. uses USB charging. I've got a Wemo switch in the fa- in the office, um, which is actually connected to the previously mentioned Hue bulb. So that's kind of redundant. Just out of curiosity, which, which gen? First gen on that? I think it's the first gen one. Yeah. So basically it looks like a, just like a, a big white solid slab that you press at the bottom. Yep. Okay. Yeah, not particularly awesome or uh, exciting. So it's not dimming. It's just on off. Yep, just on yep. off. Um, in our bedroom, we have a Hunter fan and light. That was the first one that was announced that was HomeKit compatible. Ah, uh, nice. I was just recommending them to someone who wrote in to Home On. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a fine device. I've had some issues with it from time to time of it losing connectivity. I'm kind of dropping off of HomeKit, but uh, it was funny the other day. We uh, we have a fan downstairs we use for kind of noise for the dog at night, and I had attempted to turn that on or off or something using Amazon's Echoes, and uh, in the middle of the night when my wife was sleeping, it turned on the fan upstairs. I'm like, hmm, that hasn't happened in a while, so... Hmm. 
that was new. <laughs> yeah. Always an adventure in a, in the smart home. So upcoming project I have all the stuff for, but haven't actually done yet is um, I really wanted a reason to play with both. Uh, had heard a lot of recommendations around the Hue motion sensor, that that was a great device. It's wonderful. And also wanted a reason to play around with a Lutron Aurora. So um, I bought some bulbs for my closet. Normally, this is something I would probably use a, a light switch for because I think there's about six bulbs in there. But I figured I wanted to go all in Hue ecosystem. And so I want to do motion activation in my closet. Um, so when you just walk in and then I wanted to make sure that we don't have that light switch problem, which was why I, I wanted to uh, throw the Lutron Aurora in there. I was wondering how that would play in. I mean, you'd still have the dimming capability with those, of course, but you're not going to really need to turn it on or off unless you want manual off when you leave, which you could still always do. Yeah, but I think the cause we've lived in this house for five years. The habit is so strong of turning, flipping that switch on and off that if we left it there, it, all the motion sensing stuff would just go to you know fall by the wayside because we just revert to using the switch. So totally understand forcing it to happen. Yep. Um, and if that works out well, I have a couple other places in the house that I really want to use hue bulbs and motion sensor. I think laundry room would be great. Um, I love the idea of doing this in our bathroom and having it come on at a, a dim setting in the middle of the night, something like that. So um, if this is a successful and wife approved project, then uh, there will be more of this to come in the house. And the nice thing about this motion sensor is that it is accessible by HomeKit. So you could create that more complex automation that if it detects motion and it's in the middle of the night, then behave differently than if you're walking in during the middle of the day. Exactly. All right. So moving on to HVAC. So uh, my house is nowhere near as complex as Richard's, <laughs> but we do have two zones and two separate heating and cooling um, systems. So upstairs and downstairs, um, which works out pretty well. Um, when I moved in, I had two Nest Gen 2s. And, you know, I think just in general, I try with everything I get to have it play in all the ecosystems. And so Nest not being HomeKit compatible was kind of a, some you kind of threw it out of contention for me. So right. I, pull, I pulled those out and put in Ecobee 3s when that device first came out. And also kind of put the sensors around the house in the kids' rooms and things like that. In our old house, we had parts of the house that were like way jacked up in terms of how they heated and cooled. Our house now is pretty even, so those sensors are nice, but they don't do a ton for you know for regulating the temperature throughout the house. Um, but it's uh, you know it's still a part of the system and you know worth having. So I think I have about six sensors throughout the house. Yikes! Um, reporting to those uh, two Ecobee threes. So what do you do? Do you use that to kind of follow you around, or do you just average it? Yeah, it's just averaging averaging the temperature and, and making sure that it's regulated throughout the house. Got it. So um, Windows, I'm, I'm jealous of your automated shades. I have nothing <laughs> yet, but there is hope. So uh, on the Connexon side, you know, not only do we make our own product, but we work with a bunch of other companies. And so one of those that we're working with right now is a company called Rollies. And Rollies 
makes their own shades, has a hub, and it also does it under some of these other brands um, where they resell shades as well. So um, they have a hub that's coming out uh, later this year, and it will work with HomeKit, Google, and Amazon. And so um, hoping that I can get a deal on shades through them. Um, I know my brother-in-law, who also works with us, um, got some things going on in his house. So um, fingers crossed that they get the client hookup there. And probably, uh, I mean, I've wanted to do shades for, for a long time and I'd love to do the whole house, but I would probably start with downstairs and my bedroom. Those would be my highest priorities for shades and then probably go from there. Yeah. And for me, I think the thing that's important is to look at which side of the house is getting that kind of seasonal heat from the sun. And if that's something that you can use automation to combat, that's really handy. But more importantly, you're saving money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I've always wanted it just mainly for the coolness factor. Uh, places, <laughs> places where I've seen it done really, really well. It's very impressive. But yeah, absolutely. The, the right way to do it is probably temperature sensors and um, you know, automating based on time of day and things like that. And I think there's some real opportunities there. And I use a hue motion sensor as my temperature sensor for my blinds. Because again, that sensor's awesome. Nice. I didn't even know there was temperature in there. Yep. Temperature, luminance, and motion. Cool. Yeah, that'll that'll be handy. So uh, coming soon. And actually, good time to mention this. I think at some point we should probably revisit this stuff every you know six to twelve months, and we can kind of do an update show. Maybe we can do that all in one show. Yeah, we'll do deltas. We won't go through the whole thing again. Yes, deltas. So on the cooking front, um, I also have the Innova Wi-Fi sous vide cooker. This was a, a gift for my wife. We don't use it super duper often, but you know it's, it comes in handy when we do want to. And I, I like the fact that you can do it remotely and things like that. So yeah, kind of a cool kitchen gadget. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite thing in the kitchen, though, which I do use on a regular basis, is my Ember mug. So uh, you and I both go to Mike's uh, Kitchen Summit yep. and uh, heard the founder of Ember talk there and put that baby on my Christmas list this year. And it, it, is, uh, it has a ton of potential. Um, I will say I wish that it had a better lid. I have coffee mugs that have better lids than this one. This one's kind of gimmicky and, I don't know, has some issues from time to time. But I love the technology. I love that it keeps... I'm a tea drinker myself. So keeps my tea at a perfect 135. Because otherwise, I'd get in a meeting, get busy, whatever, and come back, cold tea, and just, meh, don't drink it. So this keeps it hot, no matter you know how long throughout the morning that um, you know I drink it. So It is a delightful indulgence. I forgot. I do have one of these. I have the travel mug version. Is that the one that you have? Yes. Yeah. See, I don't usually use a travel mug. I usually just drink out of a regular mug. So I constantly forget that I have this because it's a travel mug and I prefer to use a mug. One of these days I need to get myself the mug version. It is, I mean, it sounds like this isn't even a first world problem. This sounds like a one percenter problem if we were only one percenters, but the... 
the the fact that your coffee is just always exactly the way you want it. Like there's not that point where it's too hot. There's not that point where it's way too cold or it's just getting cold. So you have to drink it fast before it gets cold. It's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, the, the other mugs I have, I can't remember the brand off the top of my head, but the problem with them was they worked too well and they would keep it too hot. Mm -hmm. So it would never cool down. And so... Well, then that's not too well. No, it isn't. And so you either like scorch yourself or you have to take the... I would have to take the lid off to let it cool down. And then it would get, you know, I'd miss that ideal window <laughs> to pop the lid back on. So yeah, it totally is a luxury item. We're going to talk about some of these in the future, also luxury <laughs> items. But, uh, you know, for for somebody that has everything, it's a totally a great gift and especially somebody who's a coffee or a tea drinker um, that uses it regularly. I thought, do I really need something else to charge in my life on a daily basis? But I love the I love the experience that it gets. And it has a base that you just sit it on, either between uses or while you're using it. So, you know. Yeah. And I, I actually ended up getting a second base for the office. So I have one at home. So I'll charge it there at night. And then I just pop it on my desk, you know, during the day. And if I want to do tea again in the afternoon, then I can have enough charge. So um, it works out. Nice. All right. So moving on to AV stuff. So you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, I had not gotten a new TV for probably six, seven years. Mm. So I was previously um, had bought, what was it? It was a... Samsung, um, you know, just 1080p, pretty nice TV. And it got me for a while. And I had held out on 4K for a long time. Hadn't really had the need for it. And then for my birthday this year, uh, my wife got me an Xbox One X, which my brother-in-law was like, this is a dangerous and slippery slope. You know, you're... (laughs) This is going to lead to, you know, Adam getting a 4K TV finally. So uh, it was bound to happen anyways. And then once the they announced these TVs that were going to be HomeKit compatible, that was what it took that to, to push me over the edge. So mm-hmm. I got the uh, LG C9. I'm still uh, anxiously awaiting the HomeKit compatibility to come for that, that guy. But uh, once I do, you'll hear about it. So... So before you go off this, I, I mean, I really think that you did this the right way. 4K has been a moving target because of HDR and different manufacturers' willingness to provide updates to past models. So we're now at the point where companies are realizing that it is still a moving target and they are starting to build these in a way that and, and committing to doing some sort of backward compatible updates now, at least going forward. And and so I think you're at like peak 4K right now and you couldn't have hit it at a better time. Other than I bought it right when it came out and I already, I think around Prime Day or whatever, I already saw it for like oh, yeah. $700 less. I'm like, ah. It's always going to be cheaper. It will always be cheaper. I know that's the that's the plight of being an early adopter. So that's okay. Yeah. So I'm a I'm a huge fan. I really enjoy it. And we just wrapped the latest season of Stranger Things, and I 
before we did that, I upped our uh, Netflix subscription to the 4K. Looks gorgeous. It has some nice smart features too. So I, I'm typically more of an Apple TV guy, but it's nice to know that there's some good stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. And certain content, like if you want to watch YouTube in 4K, you're going to want to use the, the native smart stuff on there. So yeah, just some other things or reasons to use it from time to time. Of all the built-in smart environments, I kind of like theirs best. I think they've probably done it better than most. They are starting to get a little bit intrusive with advertising, but most of the manufacturers are doing that now. Yeah. So I mentioned Apple TV 4K. Yeah, and we're totally cord cutters now and use the Apple TV for just about everything. So um, I don't know, about a year or so ago, finally kicked the uh, kicked the old cable subscription and just went in all in on on Apple TV and apps and all that. Nice. I've been a Harmony guy for a long time. Um, so been through the various ones of that. I believe the one I have now is the Harmony One. It's got the hub as well as the remote with lots of buttons. If you have a hub, then you probably you don't need line of sight, right? No. Okay, so you're you're either using the Ultimate or the Elite. The Ultimate is more roundy. The Elite is more candy bar like. Mm, it's probably the Ultimate. Mm, yep. So yeah, uh, also have a Denon receiver. I, you know, I went with whatever the wire cutter recommended. I had a previous Denon. It died. I don't know. One point. Uh, I don't know. I I think I touched something on the back of it, and smoke came out. <laughs> wasn't good but you know i like the performance of it and uh it works out well and it's got some connected features as well and you can do airplay through it other things i mentioned the xbox one x which was the gateway drug of uh getting into 4k and uh my nine-year-old also has a nintendo switch as far as gaming stuff goes and if you care or not i mean the nice thing about the xbox one s and x is that they're also 4k disc players if you ever purchase or rent 4k discs yes i am team no disc uh team all digital but uh i did when i got the tv and the that i did get planet earth 2 which is just uh stunning absolutely stunning yes just retina popping uh very gorgeous although i have a problem uh, we have a, uh, a dog, a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel, and he loves to bark at animals on the TV. <laughs> so he would need to be somewhere else or, uh, you know, in his cage or something if we're watching that because he goes crazy. Mm-hmm. He thinks that the TV is a window to outside. So he will see something on the TV if we're watching Game of Thrones or something like that. He'll see a horse. And then he goes to the back door and he wants to go find that horse in the backyard. <laughs> so I, I've never had a dog that paid any attention to the TV, but this one does and, and uh, barks at all the animals. That's cool. All right. So now moving on to uh, cameras and security. So this was one where, you know, I kind of, st- I, I mentioned earlier, I like to stay on things that uh, are across all ecosystems. When, when I purchased the Ring Doorbell Pro, I was promised that it would be in the HomeKit ecosystem. That promise still remains. Mm, promise is such a big word. Adam. I know. We get signs of hope every once in a while. And I love, uh, I'll throw in the show notes, there's a Twitter account 
that's something <laughs> like, does Ring have HomeKit yet or something like that? Um, and I, I, the funny thing is Ring actually blocked this Twitter account because they were annoying them so much. I love that. But regardless, I'm really happy with the the Ring Doorbell Pro. It works well. It does its job. And so much so that I've built in, I've ingrained further in the Ring ecosystem since then. Uh, and if those things get HomeKit at some point, great. Uh, if not, whatever. I'm okay with it. So the other Ring items I do have, uh, I think we mentioned on our outdoor episode, I have a floodlight cam. And then um, there was a good deal on the the Ring security system, and I finally bit the bullet on that. So I bought one with a ton of different devices. Uh, I think I got the deal from Costco. So it came with motion sensors, a ton of door sensors and window sensors. And uh, it works really well. I like the uh, I like the fact that you know you the the security kind of all in subscription is, and monitoring is, is fairly affordable. And uh, put this on all the motion sensors and doors downstairs, or all the windows and doors downstairs, and definitely all the entry doors. And um, it makes this pleasant little chirp whenever a door enters or opens. And now, kind of between other entry points we have, you know, we get a notification anytime any door is open to our house. So I really like having that and having that knowledge of what's going on. I am so impressed with this system and you may not take advantage of this, but since this has come out, they have turned on so many more capabilities to extend this to act almost as a smart home hub with other devices in your home, like locks and things like that. So I think this is a great product. I think it is a fantastic price point, disruptive price point. Definitely. Because do you use their monitoring too? I do. Yeah. $10 a month. Right. And I think whatever whatever subscription I got into, it was one that's like all in. So I get the monitoring on the security system as well as video on both the cameras. So they do have a plan for something like that. Yeah, ten dollars a month. That's that. That's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. That includes the monitoring. Well, and I probably wouldn't have paid for the video on the floodlight cam because I I live in a pretty safe area and I don't I have a fence. Like I'm not really worried about recorded video in the backyard. But with it, you know, as an option, sure, I'll take it. You know, why not? Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. That's cool. So let's see, I have a Nest Cam, which was actually a drop cam, um, but it shows up under the Nest app now. And this was repurposed for the garage. I, I guess I have it in another category, but uh, MyQ garage door opener and uh, HomeKit bridge. And uh, <laughs> I had a MyQ incident one time where my MyQ told me my garage was open. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm going to shut my garage. Well, I didn't shut the garage. I opened the garage and then it remained open for the rest of the day. So, and I live, uh, my house, you can see from my garage, it's off of an alley, but within a parking lot's distance, there's like a bank parking lot behind my house and then a major street. My open garage was to that major street all day long. I was like, can't do that again. I need to have a way to verify that the garage is actually open if it tells me it was open. So it must have been a wacky sensor thing. I've really maybe only had it happen one other time. 
But I literally just had this this drop cam laying around the house. So I'm like, all right, we're going to put it to work, put it in the garage, and then always can verify if the garage door is truly open. I have a cam in my garage for the exact same reason. Not because I left it open, but because I'm worried about leaving it open. Yep. So uh, let's see. Rounding out cameras, I have an Arlo Pro 2. Um, I saw this at an event one time and was just so blown away by the fact that it it wasn't even occurred to me that wireless 1080p video was option. And it was at the time when we had uh, my daughter who was an infant at the time. And I was like, all right, well, we don't really have a, a our baby monitor from the previous kids had broken. I was like, all right, well, this is going to be our new baby monitor. So got Arlo Pro 2. It functions as a fancy baby monitor. She's two now. As she gets older and we don't need it for that, we can repurpose it elsewhere in the house. These things last like six months wireless video. Super impressive. Works really well. I would say the only kind of downside of the wireless side is there's probably about a half second lag, like half to a one second lag. Mm. But it really isn't a big deal. And um, from a baby monitor perspective, it's super helpful because like when we have a babysitter, you know, having... Uh, cameras and stuff. You don't have to tell them to do an app or anything like that. We just have them use our echo device in the kitchen, which has a screen and just say, here's what you say. You know, this pull up the Addison cam. They can check on her works out really well. That's nice. Now, is this the version that is also now HomeKit compatible? Uh, <laughs> in theory, this is something else <laughs> that was promised to be HomeKit compatible. And it came up in their app one day. And said, HomeKit, now available in the app. But then when you actually went to go do a firmware update or whatever, no HomeKit. So um, somebody Hmm. (laughs) pulled the trigger a little too early. Don't. Yeah. Uh, Because it is not actually HomeKit compatible yet. I haven't seen anything in a while. I haven't checked it um, recently. But um, as far as I know, not HomeKit compatible yet. But should be, in theory, and hopefully they're going to work out some of that new fancy um, HomeKit video stuff too, because I'd love to check that out. Yeah. On the lock side, I have a Schlage Sense lock, another customer of ours. I had this, uh, I got this one also through trades originally. I just use this in purely HomeKit mode. And this is a great lock, works really well. I love the keypad on the front door. Um, we live really close to a park. So the fact that my wife or I can take our kids to the park, just lock the door, don't have to take any keys or anything like that. I'm all in on the the keyless lifestyle. Do you uh, keep a spare nine volt in the stroller just in case? So the brilliant thing about the Schlage Sense, um, and I know more about this because they're a customer of ours, but um, one of the ways that they give the message to a user that that the, it's running out of batteries is that it starts to work slower. So as you're using it, all of a sudden it'll start to be really slow in the unlock and lock. Mm-hmm. That That's not actual performance of the lock. That's built in, like they programmed it to do that, to give a sign of, hey, buddy, it's time to change the batteries. So the nine volt in that runs for about a year and basically it also beeps at you when, when it gets into that cycle. So 
you know it. And I've just been super duper good about making sure that we always uh, replace that battery as soon as it starts yelling at us about it. Nice. And I guess also mentioning, um, so the, I mentioned that they're a customer of ours. So we make a Wi-Fi adapter for them. Um, you can buy this in, on Amazon or at Home Depot. And so this is the device that actually allows um, their lock to talk with eco- either Google or Amazon's ecosystems, as well as kind of their own remote control stuff. So you can either put it in HomeKit mode, which is what I keep it in, um, or you can use the Wi-Fi adapter and work with some of those other ecosystems. So um, that's worked out really well, uh, you know. That was basically an instance where, um, you know, we were building this Wi-Fi to BLE bridge. They said, hey, you know, we could really use that. And we were able to kind of repurpose it for them. So um, has worked out well as a partnership. And then the other, I guess, lock, uh, lock-based thing that I have pre-HomeKit was an August lock. So I had this on my back door. <laughs> it worked okay. I think my back door more a problem with my door than the August lock um, was the, just kind of how it aligned. So it, you really have to have a door that shuts well on its own and stays shut. Uh, it can't have any sort of weird pull to it. Uh, otherwise the August doesn't work well with it, but I did like their feature of the auto unlock. When you show up, it just kind of senses the Bluetooth and then lo- unlocks the door. Nice. All right. Well, I know there's probably a bunch of other stuff in your home still to go through, Adam, but why don't we take a quick break just in case we have a sponsor that wants to say something right now? Okay. Now we are back. Um, So I'm just going to call this the other category because I didn't have anywhere to put various other products. So I already talked about MyQ and, uh, and the HomeKit bridge in the context of the camera. But I will say I do like that product and I do like the the HomeKit side of it. Um, You know, in general, I love having notification anytime there's entry or exit to the house. Um, You know, it's super helpful to know and just be aware of, you know, when my wife and I, when somebody comes home or when they leave, make sure entry points are all secure. The other thing that's nice about that, and I use this because I don't want just a ton of notifications. And I already have door sensors even before I got a MyQ for my garage door is a built-in alert mechanism in the application. If you leave the door open for more than some period of time that you can determine. Yep. Yeah. I think that's kind of a classic, you know, thing that homeowners worry about. I remember pre having MyQ, um, you know, heading to the airport or something and make, you know, turning the car around to make sure I had shut the garage. Yeah. It's the modern day is the stove off. Yes, exactly. So also in our other category, so I have a bunch of nest protects around the house. I was just, when we bought this house, I was just getting into smart home stuff and decided to make the investment in, in nest protects. In general, I like the device. I like the the nightlight and kind of motion feature that it has at night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had various problems with that. These, um, I think, what happens is the sensors get gunked up or whatever, and then there are false alarms, and the alarms are super loud. And you know, in theory, the 
spoken, you know, alarms and things like that are supposed to be better for chill, small children. Well, it scares the crap out of my children. <laughs> and when we've had false alarms, they've been in their bedrooms. So, um, not great, but I will say Nest has been super good and replaced the units that, you know, we, we literally cannot get them to shut off. And then because they're all connected through, um, you know, weave or, you know, whatever their protocol is there, every unit in the house goes off. So one goes right. off, they all go off. And right. since we have eight of them, that's pretty loud. Yeah. So they've been good about it. I think I still have one that I need to call, you know, it's like a matter of, all right, when do I have time to call support and go through this dance and say, yeah, yeah, the alarm won't go off and then they'll ship me a new one. So um, I need to do that again um, with one that I have that's defective. But that was a known issue. I think with the very first generation and first batch that they released. And I don't know if you've ever seen the video on YouTube, but there is an amazing video of someone going through the process of taking them all down while they're going off because he couldn't shut them up. Even through the app, you can't force it to turn off. And he put them in a cooler and put the cooler in a garage and they could still hear it in the house. So he put the cooler in the car in the garage and they could still hear it in the house. So he took the cooler with the car about a mile away to some deserted area and dumped them out. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, if you li- if you really do want to shut them off, you literally have to unscrew some things and get the batteries out. It's not an easy process. And one of my old colleagues had the same problem, and uh, he used a more of a brute force method. He took a hammer to the thing, <laughs> and the nice people at Nest still replaced it. Yeah, well, you know they know they have a problem <laughs> if they'll replace it after that. Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, I mean, the new ones I've gotten and the replacements seem to work fine. So, um, yeah, I will stick with that. Next thing in the other category, iRobot. So I was early on iRobot. I bought one of these in the early to mid 2000s when my wife and I were living in an apartment. And I would say I was fairly unimpressed. It worked well in an, in an apartment, but it was kind of the dumb bounce around all the walls and eventually, you know, in theory, based on this algorithm, it'll clean everything. Eventually, when we moved, that didn't get redeployed into the house. But I've been, you know, kind of following iRobot for a number of years. And I've heard their CTO, Chris Jones, speak at a number of conferences. And I heard him at Parks Connections this year again. And that finally was the trigger that, all right, this stuff is cool. They're, these guys clearly know what they're doing. The technology has come a long way. And so I, I invested uh, on their i7 model, um, which we've named Jarvis. Um, very cool. And uh, <laughs> nice. the, the boys and I decided on that name. And it's one of the models that has a bin. And their their bin system is a game changer for these things. It's brilliant. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant. Because before... If you had any sizable house, you literally couldn't get through a hole clean without having to empty the bin. So what good is a robot that is constantly having to be serviced by the humans? It's like, all right, okay, got to empty the bin. Okay, got to empty the bin. It's like 
it's only doing half the job. So they solved this problem with this this kind of tower bin thing. And when the robot bin gets full, the dustbin gets full, it will go to its home and the bin sucks all the dirt out of the robot. I love and it. then it can just go go back out and keep going. I saw the ad for this and I was blown away. I thought this was absolutely brilliant. And the thing that's not ironic, but I guess just funny about it is the home base literally sucks, literally vacuums the dirt out of the vacuum. Right. <laughs> it's. A, I will say it's a little loud and it scares the crap out of my two-year-old. In general, she's not very sure about this robot. Uh, and so she really wants to keep an eye on it. So she will regularly go kind of peek in on it. Jarvis sleeping. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Jarvis is sleeping. Okay. But she also will like push the button on it and get it started and then run away. So she's cautious about the robot. So she's trying to keep him in check. What I was going to say, like, you know, ever the investments in technology, uh, when we were starting this, this list for the show, I was like, okay, what model do I have? Go back. I get to the iRobot page and I'm like, ah, oh, crap. I literally had, I had the best one for about three months. They already have a new and better one. They've got a new one that uh, handles corners better or something like that that's new and fancier. So, Of course. Oh, well. But I- I'm still very, very happy with it. It does a great job for what, what we use it for. I love the ability to just clean a room or two. So I have all the mapping stuff in this model. And with the mapping comes, you can define your rooms and say there's a mess in the kitchen. You can just say, clean the kitchen. And it'll just pop out, do that one room. And so, you know, with three three kids and a dog, you know, there are messes from time to time in, in certain areas. And it's really handy to just kind of deploy the robot to do that one one job. Nice. And the other feature that this has that I haven't really gotten into yet, but it also does Wi-Fi mapping. So I will be interested to, once I get that working, to check out kind of the Wi-Fi coverage maps of my house. All right. Next in uh, in the other category is another customer of ours, uh, which is the You by Moen Smart Shower. Richard, I know you were, you were uh, I'll almost go so far as to say a hater when this one first came out. <laughs> I think that's fair. Didn't really get it, but I love this product. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased. We worked really hard on this. My team, we have a Wi-Fi module that's in this. Um, we did all the firmware, the cloud, and the apps for this product for Moen and, and kind of helped them jumpstart their, their smart home business. And definitely very proud of all the work we did here. But I will just say they did their homework on the use case and the application here. Definitely, you know, like we talked about with the Ember mug, this is definitely a luxury item. In general, you're not going to put one of these in without totally replacing as part of a you know a bathroom remodel. I was lucky enough that we were able to do some small work to my shower to get this in there. Um, we actually didn't have to do it as part. I wouldn't have done it if it would have been a full bathroom remodel project. We were able to just pull out one piece of tile and kind of swap out the the you know previous manual shower. But I love it and. The use case that they really dial into is not dissimilar from the Ember. It's personalized, precise temperature. So they have this 
valve system, digital valve system that does the mixing of the hot and cold water that goes into your wall. And that's what ensures that you have precise temperature in the shower. And you can say exact, you basically have these radio buttons in the shower, which can also be used from digital assistants where you can set a specific preset where you say, I want this shower head on and I want it at this temperature. So in the morning, when I get up, I say, you know, Hey, echo start my shower at preset one and it comes on, it'll warm it up. And then there's also a feature that called warm up and pause. So it'll actually get the water warm and then it cuts it off to save water. So as I'm getting ready, going to the bathroom, kind of getting ready to get in the shower, I'm not wasting water. And then when you're ready to get in the shower, you just hit that power button. Water's already hot and it's already spit out of the cold water and you're ready to go. It is nice. I have to admit it is a nice idea. This falls into the category for me of you know, is it connected for a good reason, as opposed to being able to say, we have the first connected shower. And I think that both you and Moen have done a good job of making that case. I still am not excited about the fact that there's any cloud involved at all. If this were entirely local, I'd probably be happier about that. But for me, the biggest issue is how often does someone change the temperature regulator or the volume regulator in their shower? Mine is 35 years old and it's great. And so the idea of putting technology in there that may, and I say the same thing about appliances all the time. So it, you know, this is kind of a, a, a broken record for me, but the where the mechanics of this device will very likely outlive the technology in the device that concerns me yeah i think one really smart thing they did do with this was the smarts are in the controller not in the valve system in the wall so the way that this works is there's a controller that's actually your interface in the shower and that's where the intelligence lives and so they've actually already revved this once, and the version that will be HomeKit compatible will be a new controller. So in theory, as time goes on and technology changes, you'll be making a couple hundred dollar replacement of that controller in the wall that's really not, I've done it once, I already replaced it. Um, not too bad to pop that out, put a new one in. You definitely don't need a plumber or a tradesman to do that part. And so the technology, in theory, should be upgradable over time. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I love the idea in general. You know, the, the use case I want is I get off my Withings scale. It knows who was just on the Withings scale. So from that, it then automatically turns the shower on to the right person's setting. And then when the shower goes off, it turns the coffee maker on. That would be just like the ideal morning scene for me. Yeah, I'm excited about this with iOS 13, which uh, in iOS 13, Shortcuts now has access to phone alarms. So I'm going to set up the shortcut where when my alarm goes off in the morning, shower just comes on and, you know, lights and things like that. But I think this is a, you know, I, I love the idea of it being tied to the phone alarm. I mean, obviously you could do some time-based stuff already, but... I like the idea of that being more dynamic 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, you, know, you mentioned iOS 13, and this is a little bit of an aside, but I, I think one of the things that we should do when iOS 13 hits is get one of the iOS developers that we know, or maybe one of the iOS reporters like HomeKit Geek or someone to uh, to come on and really talk about what's changing in HomeKit as far as automation, because the changes are astounding in terms of capabilities. Yeah, and I've been uh, I haven't played around with it too too much because I've been beta beta cautious this time. Normally, I'm usually on a beta by this point in the summer. Um, but all the reports I've been hearing is it's a little touchy. So I've been avoiding. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. Cause they're doing a lot. Yeah. So it'll be curious to see how it all plays out. But, you know, we touched on this a little bit with Renee Ritchie when you were at WWDC. And if you didn't hear that episode, you should go back and check that out. But uh, I think this is worth a deep dive when it's available in production release. Yep. Absolutely. So we already mentioned this on our outdoor episode, but uh, also in the other category, Ratio Gen 2. Um, another customer of ours, I actually have a, a, a connected uh, sump pump system in my basement. So this is a customer of ours called Wayne Water, and uh, they have a system called their Total Basement Protection System. So I've actually dealt with water in my basement and I don't ever want to deal with that again. So this is a yep. a nice system. It's both a regular sump pump as well as a battery backup. And the piece we worked on is a system that allows you to monitor that and get notifications from the system anytime there's an issue, if power's out, things like that. So, And kind of a cool feature we built in there is that even if power's out, you can actually put the device sort of into a, a Wi-Fi hotspot mode where you can actually talk to the device directly. So it's a nice option nice. for when it's running on backup power. I've got a BLE gate lock on my on my gate. We have this kind of like sticky gate on our fence that I think like the meter people kept coming in. I was like, and they would leave the gate open and then the dog would get out. So uh, went to go buy a lock. And then of course, being me, uh, I had to get a BLE for one. So... <laughs> Always trying new things. Um, on the fitness side, we also have a Peloton bike, which uh, I'm going to throw in the connected device camp. Big fan of this. This was more for my wife than it was for me, but um, I do use it from time to time. And uh, the connectivity in it is, is really pretty cool. So um, it definitely feels like one of those devices that is way ahead of its time. And we didn't even get it when it first came out. We just got it in the last year. Nice. I remember you and I talking about those last year. Yep. I'm definitely a fan. Of course, can't have all these devices without a good network behind them. Wi-Fi wise, I've been through various routers along the way, but as soon as Eero was announced, I was all in on Eero. And my funny Eero story is that like, I think they had done some pre-announcements or whatever and had, you know, sort of uh, hyped it up while they were still not in production. And uh, I think there were pre-orders at that point. That happened, whatever, three to six months passed. Totally forgotten about it. Time for Eero to launch, Gen 1. And I'm reading about it on Wired or something like that. I'm like, okay, this sounds awesome. Totally had forgotten about that previous thing. I go on Amazon, I order one. Hmm. Literally someone walks in my office, not five minutes later, with a box 
from Amazon. <laughs> I open it and it's Eros. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is the most amazing Amazon experience I've ever had. <laughs> well, I go back through my email and realize that whatever, three, six months ago, I'd had the same process where I'd read something and it was like, this sounds awesome and had ordered it. But it was just funny that in that moment. So I have had my share of double ordering things in Amazon. Yes. Absolutely. So big fan of these. I actually replaced my Gen 1s with Gen 2s in a couple places. I've got So I've got three Gen 2s and one Gen 1 um, throughout the house, kind of strategically placed. Uh, the Gen 2s are in the basement, which is where my uh, modem is, in my kitchen, and in the master bathroom bedroom. I kind of tried to strategically place these where we use Wi-Fi the most. The other Gen 1, and those are all wired. So um, when I moved into my house, um, my house was wired with Cat 5, but they were all terminated for phone plugs. And we didn't have any use for regular telephones. We don't have regular telephone service. So I brought somebody in, had them change out all those ends to Cat 5 ends, and then put that all to a hub in the basement. So uh, modem comes in in the basement. I've got a small rack there with a, a switch and then wired out to the rest of the house. So, you know, some of the stuff that's useful to be wired in the house, I believe the Arlo Pro cameras are wired. All the home theater stuff is wired. And it's nice to kind of have that wired backbone throughout the house. Yeah, absolutely. The one Eero that's not wired is a Gen 1 one, which I was having some wireless performance issues by the Ring Pro. So I just put that in the kind of the room adjacent to the Ring Pro, and it kind of solved that problem for me. That is probably one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people adopting some of this technology forget about is that a lot of these devices are on the periphery of your home where you don't usually need Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they do a really good job at solving these problems. I, I've recommended, you know, I should be on the payroll with how often I've recommended Eros to people. <laughs> we put them in my, my parents have a condo down in Tampa and they had with how theirs was set up, it's kind of long and skinny in the, the layout and the Wi-Fi router and the modem were in the front of the condo but everybody always hung out in the back of it. Yeah. And dad upgraded the internet there and he's like, yeah, it's still really, really slow. And why this, I mean, they had a gen one Apple TV and if you wanted to watch a movie at night, you would rent the movie in the morning. It would download <laughs> all day long. And then maybe by 8 PM, you'd be able to watch a movie. Uh, Gen 1 Apple TV, I don't know that that's that far from what that experience was actually like. Well, it was. I, I really think it was more to do with the Wi-Fi performance in the condo. Yeah. But yeah. I literally swapped out their router with a one Eero base station and one beacon, and it was like night and day. Mm -hmm. So... It, it really does make a big difference, and um, I'm a big fan of, of their stuff. That's nice. Now, you mentioned that you have different generations of these devices in your home. So like the Ubiquiti stuff that I have in my house, can you use them together as part of an integrated system, or do they have to be separate? Nope. 
totally doesn't matter. They're, they fully all work together. It's totally inter- nice. interchangeable. I think the one thing they do recommend is if you have them intermixed, you're going to want the later gen one to be like the master um, wherever the modem is. But other than that, I don't think it matters. That makes sense. All right. So now on the voice front, you know, being somebody that works in this space, I like to try everything and kind of <laughs> have everything at our, you know, within the home and use it regularly. So I have uh, your wife. I need to send her flowers or something. I know she is a saint. <laughs> so I have devices from all ecosystems, all various places. And, uh, the worst of this is in our kitchen, where I have an Echo Show second gen. Uh, thank you, Amazon. They were nice enough to um, very generously hook us up in our booth at CES and even came by later and was like, what more do you have? What more do you want? So, you know, this CES, everybody in it that worked our booth came home with some sort of device that, you know, we had from the show. So mine was this Echo Show second gen um, which I really like it. I like the bigger screen. Um, I like the, you know, it sounds good. Um, it's a really good device for the kitchen. And I wasn't so sure at first about kind of some of the funky new stuff that pops up, but it's actually pretty delightful and you get some interesting stories on there from time to time. The one thing that drives me mad about that though <laughs> is like it, there will be some sort of news story and it'll tell you, you know, hey, lady, say XYZ. And you will literally say what is on the screen, and then she has a problem with it. I'm like, if you're telling me to say this phrase, mm-hmm. and it was just on the screen, right? <laughs> you should be able to figure this out. So sometimes that inspires rage. <laughs> um, also in the kitchen uh, is HomePod. I'm a fan of this for, for music and podcasts. Uh, it's a great speaker. Don't use it for a lot of other stuff or or even some of the smart home stuff. I, I think it does a really good job of it probably has one of the best performing mic arrays. And so it's really good at that. And obviously the audio quality coming out of it is very good. Also have the Google Home Hub, which we previously talked about on another show. Um, this is also in the kitchen, uh, another screen device. And this one is uh, the primary user of this would be my two-year-old. I would say the thing that the Google Home Hub does vastly better than the Echo Show is working with YouTube. And being that she's two, she you know loves little songs and videos and stuff like that. And so that works really well for her. I also have the original Google Home. That's in our, that's in our family room. And that's just more for experimenting and kind of playing around with stuff. Uh, dots throughout the house. So... These have been kind of acquired at various shows or places I've gotten them for free or things like that. So I've got one of these in each of the kids' rooms, as well as one in our master bathroom. Love using the intercom features of this. So yeah, super helpful with having kids and everybody being around the house to be able to say it's dinner time or send messages back and forth. Uh, just a really handy feature that that really utilizes these well. Agreed. I also have an echo spot by my bedside. So when this thing came out, I was in need of a new alarm clock and, and this was kind of a good uh, optional alarm clock for me. 
As far as control goes, so how do we control all these fun things? I think I'm pretty similar to you, Richard, in that um, we're pretty all in on the Amazon voice assistant life. That's primarily what we use for for voice and and control. Mm -hmm. And and then HomeKit for automation. I played around a little bit with some of the automation stuff on Amazon. We have a routine at night where we say goodnight, Chewy, our dog's name. And and then that shuts off various lights downstairs. It turns on the fan for noise for him. Um, and when that works well, <laughs> it works well. Um, but that's maybe only 80% of the time. I think sometimes she just hears the goodnight part. And then she t- wishes you a good night. <laughs> Sometimes she hears something totally different. <laughs> so uh, it can be a it can be a little bit of an adventure sometimes. The other thing that I've noticed with good night or good morning scenes with the Echo is that it has very little delay if you have a multi step routine that you're driving with that. And what ends up happening is you flood your system with all these commands at once. And that can sometimes lead to undesirable results too. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes it, it doesn't know what we're, it gets ahead of us. And so it just hears the good night piece. It doesn't hear the other piece. So, uh, it's, it could be my word choice that, um, that makes it confusing for the device, but no matter what I want it to work every time, all the time, but you know, it's, it's getting there. Yep. So yeah, I think that about wraps it up for what I have in my home and what I use. So I think you win, right? <laughs> you have more stuff than me, so you win this round. I So I will say I have more unique devices. I think on your the ecosystem you have in your house, you have me beat hands down on total devices. Oh, that's probably true. That's probably true. All right, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> well, so... Then to kind of wrap this one, let's use the same question that we had from our last episode where listener Anthony had asked what new smart home gadgets we're eyeing. And I have to imagine that with all of this stuff, there's still some cool stuff that you might want to add in the next couple of months, right, Adam? Always always looking at things. So um, <laughs> yeah, and I was a good boy on Prime Day. I didn't get anything. But the oh, one thing that I wasn't the one, the one thing that almost got me was after our outdoor episode, I started looking at this ring outdoor stuff, and um, particularly interested in the the path lights. Yeah, and I was thinking that I needed more. You and I already talked about this a little bit offline, but I was thinking I needed like ten to fourteen path lights for my sidewalks. You were telling me you thought that was totally overkill. I think it is because they're very, very, very bright. I think you could get away with half that, maybe even less. But I I mean, you know, you can get these kits fairly inexpensively. I think, if I remember correctly, the startup kit is about $60 or $70. And then each additional two costs like another $45 or $50. They're really not expensive. So get a small kit and see what you like and what you don't like. And maybe if you don't like them where you thought, you could repurpose them and put them somewhere else like I did. Yeah. I mean, what got me was I, I first I looked at, okay, how many do I need? And then I thought about how many D batteries that was. <laughs> 
And I was like, this is crazy. Yeah, just go to your grocery store, just get the 20 pack or whatever they have. It weighs a ton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. So, but yeah, when Amazon was like, hey, you might want to buy batteries with this, I was like, oh, how many batteries do I need here? Hey, guess what? We sell Amazon branded batteries. Want to add them to your cart now? <laughs> exactly. Would you like fries with that? So, still keeping an eye on this, I almost want to see where this goes. And maybe I'll wait for Gen 2. I don't feel like I need path lighting that badly, but it sounded cool and, and things like that. We'll see here, but definitely interested in keeping an eye on the outdoor lighting stuff from Ring. Um, the other one I already kind of mentioned earlier. So really interested in doing shades in my house and um, want to do my bedroom and downstairs. So I would say that's something I'm always keeping an eye on. And, and uh, if I do it, you know, I will probably do it with our, our customer rollies. Uh with the companies we work with, I always try to be a good tester of those products too. I am constantly giving feedback to Moen about the shower. And so, you know, I think that's one of the things I can bring to the table for our customers is also just be a very informed user on these things. And so, you know, uh, that's sort of the trade-off is like, give me a good deal on some shades or, or a shower and uh, you're going to have a very good and vocal customer on your hands. I think that sounds like a good trade. Hey, um, I know this was your time, but like I said, I spent some money on Prime Day. Can I talk about some of my updates? Sure. What did you add? So I ended up buying three things on Prime Day that are part of my connected home now. One of them was an updated Echo and this went into my kitchen where I had one of the new Echo Dots. And it's been really bad. I don't know what the problem is with it, but it is slowest of all my dots to respond. Dots in other rooms bling before the one right in front of me acknowledges me. And so I didn't know what was going on and I was tired of it. And there was this great trade on trade-in deal on Prime Day that if you traded in your first gen Echo, which was in the cabinet behind me, unused for the last year or so, that they would give you a discount on the already discounted Echo. So I bought an Echo for $9. Perfect. Like a full Echo. Nice. Pretty good deal. So that was one thing. Another thing that I ended up buying, well, two things, expensive things. I bought connected ceiling fans. Nice. I bought the Haiku ceiling fans from Big Ass Fans. And I had been looking at these. I think I talked about looking at these. Well, I stopped looking. I bought. Yes. Because they were on sale. And did you get them in yet? Or did you put them in yet? I already installed them. Yep. And I love them. I'm really, really happy with them. And I, I, I connected them with Nest before that partnership ends. So I'm grandfathered in with that connection, at least. So, so far, so good. And they work with everything except for HomeKit, but there's a rumor that they might work with HomeKit coming up. So that's cool. Very cool. And then finally, so that I could watch the deer eat my shrubbery in higher definition, I bought the new Blink X-T2 to replace the Blink X-T that I had out in my side yard. HD deer. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. So, yeah, it's constantly changing. So we'll definitely revisit this again in a couple of months with both of us. If you, as a listener, have a smart home question for us, you can send it our way with the hashtag AskSmartHomeShow, and we'll pick a few questions that we can include in each of our shows. All right. Well, Richard, uh, can you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, it's pretty simple. Go to Richard Gunther at Twitter or to the Digital Media Zone, and that's pretty much where you're going to find what I am up to these days. How about you, Adam? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Justice or everything that my company's doing at ConnectSense.com. And of course, the Smart Home Show is a part of Technology.fm, so a collection of tech-focused podcasts, including HomeTech.fm, the Food Tech Show, and of course, Richard's other show, Home On. And you can find uh, our show and all of those, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and other places that you get podcasts. And uh, also, do us a favor. Um, leave us a rating or review or mention the show to a friend. So, thanks for joining us. And thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.